It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Week three of the Mean Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. Happy to be joined by Britton Johnson today on the Mean Streets podcast. It's a great Sunday, Britton. We had the trifecta this weekend, um, Alabama basketball win, football win, and an Auburn loss just like last weekend. So things are going well. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better than that, right? Um, Auburn, three straight losses. I'm sure they're really glad they moved Georgia to the beginning of the season now. Uh, so they could avoid having a hard schedule at the end. And, you know, so they can drop three straight anyways. Going God, into three Bowl. straight. Right. I I mean, that kind of slipped my mind. It's just kind of become second nature to me now, watching them lose. It's kind of nice. Yeah, you know, Gus had them on an eight and four type of season usually. I guess um, Parsons is going to have them on a six and six, uh, seven and five type of year. So you, Hey, we're adding uh, hot takes and football. So as we kind of start this, uh, this football, we talked about the trifecta. I want to give a shout out to my mountain Brook Spartans um, winning Friday night. They're now in the six, a semifinals. They'll take on clay Chalkville Friday night at 7. PM in Spartan stadium, six, uh, a semifinals. So looking to try and clinch a spot in the state championship. Um, but Britain, just before we get to hoops, let's talk about the gridiron, your thoughts on Bama's win one by one touchdown over Arkansas yesterday. Um, it looks like a, a busy, beautiful day in Tuscaloosa, and the game was a lot closer than we probably thought. Yeah, this season has probably taken 10 years off of my life. Uh, I went down to Gainesville and I watched that game, and that kind of gave me the idea that we might have some nail biters this year. Luckily, we've come out on top uh, on all but one of them. So, uh, still, and what many Alabama fans are considering a down year, uh, we're still going to be 10 and 1 going into Auburn this weekend. and going to be in Atlanta the weekend after that. So I, I guess we have some pretty high expectations, we could say. Um, my hot take for the Tide, based on everything I've seen, I really had this hot take last week. The Oregon loss just kind of added to it, um, is that a two-loss non-conference champion Alabama, should they lose a close one to Georgia, hopefully they don't, but should this happen, uh, would make the playoffs. And not only would they make the playoffs, they would be a three-seed. Um, I've thought it through. Georgia, obviously, in that situation would be the one seed. And you would have the two, which would be likely the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, likely Ohio State, and then assuming they win their conference championship. And then there's just a big drop-off. And, I, you know, Cincinnati would make it if they went out, but I don't know that they would necessarily want to jump Cincinnati over us so they could still maintain a 1-4 matchup that isn't Alabama-Georgia again. And then after that, there just aren't really any qualified teams. So you go through and you look and – Obviously, in this situation, let's say Ohio State's the team that wins. Um, Michigan and Michigan State, done. Um, so the Big Ten is simplified down to that. The Pac-12 just eliminated itself. ACC, I don't think Wake was ever going to really be in contention, but Clemson's went over them, knocked them out as well. Yeah, so the ACC champion's going to have a nice trip to the Orange Bowl. Is that – I don't even know where the bowl games are. Actually, and semifinal might be in the Orange Bowl. I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, wherever they go, they're going to have a nice New Year's Six game that's not the playoff. Who knows? Clemson's still probably the best team in that conference, even in a down year. They don't end up winning the conference technically, but um, they're probably playing the best football right now. Regardless, none of those teams are going to make the Final Four. 
And then you get into the three conferences, which technically out of the power five that technically have a shot. And it's the SEC, which is going to produce at least one. The Big Ten, which will likely produce one. And um, the Big 12. And does the Big 12 have a shot? I mean, like, do they actually? I mean, like we said, Cincinnati, if they went out, they're probably going to be in at this point. Um, the committee has shown that they really do not respect Oklahoma or Oklahoma State all that much. And I would assume a two-loss Baylor is out. So those are the only real candidates. And then you get the independent Notre Dame. There is no shot they put in Notre Dame over a two-loss Alabama that loses its second game in a conference champion when Notre Dame isn't even in a conference. So I don't think you can really punish Alabama in that way, especially if Alabama plays the number one team in the country very close to that game. Yeah. And um, you look at the product that Notre Dame's put on the field in the last two playoffs, and I think they put up three points against Clemson a couple years ago, and then it was like, what, 10, 14, 17 points last year in Dallas. So, I mean, they really, you know, it, you can't go off past years, but you got to look at not being at a conference, what you're able to do in a playoff. They haven't done anything. A hundred percent. And so the funniest outcome could be, let's say Cincinnati drops one. And after this chaos year that we've had, you'd have Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma in the playoffs. There is there is a way in which that happens. and um, who knows how it's going to turn out. Like I said, uh, hopefully Alabama wins their next two. We're not even really sweating it. Uh, unfortunately, I won't even be able to watch that game. I'll be in Seattle for the Gonzaga game that night. So maybe this is just my uh, way in which I'm trying to cope with the fact that I won't get to have uh, any part to play in that game. Yeah, unfortunately, um, but fortunately, that's going to be a really cool trip. And I'm excited to talk with you next week about that. You know, kind of we'll be able to recap. Uh, this upcoming week's tournament, we'll be able to talk about the upcoming trip to Gonzaga at that point in a week's time. Um, and so we'll get to basketball here in a second. But, you know, the one thing about the SEC championship, Britain, now that it's solidified, is all year everyone has said Georgia is, you know, top dog. And, yes, absolutely, they're playing a fantastic season. They've got a great defense. They've got tons of just tremendous athletes. Um in Alabama, you know, that was Alabama last year. Alabama was untouchable. They were perfect. I mean, you could not – both sides of the ball, all three facets of the game, you couldn't stop that Alabama team. It was clear that they were going to go win the national championship. But I think if you talk to people around in, in college football and probably in that Georgia locker room too, they may or may not admit, but they know it's true that they're still scared of Alabama. And this is a very depleted, um, you know – Alabama team that has a ton of weaknesses and if you just watch the film you would say this team has two or three losses by now uh, but still they find themselves the number two team in the country so Georgia's vulnerable whether they want to admit it or not and they're scared of Alabama at some point um, I guess that would be my hot take is that Georgia is scared of Alabama and they're not untouchable uh, like Alabama was untouchable last year yeah, I mean, like you said, Georgia's kind of, especially the last probably seven or eight weeks, been considered the best team in college football. But there is no doubt that in Atlanta, there is an attitude of Georgia has to beat Alabama. Not, And obviously, like we said, Alabama would have to, you know, probably beat Georgia to put themselves in a position to win a championship um, at some point, whether it's the national championship or the SEC championship. But there's an attitude of Alabama is still the team to go through in the SEC. You know, yep. and so – like we call we call Mercedes-Benz Stadium Bryant Denny East because we're just used to being there and playing big games there. Um, and at the end of the day, I think you look at that game and we have the best player on defense and the best player on offense. Um, 
maybe in the country, but for sure in that game, uh, Bryce Young setting himself up really well to win the Heisman, be the first quarterback in Alabama history to take home that coveted trophy. And then on the defensive side, I believe the best player in college football is Will Anderson. And he, uh, week in, week, week out, is getting double teamed, triple teamed, and is still just finding ways to make a terrific impact. I think he had 11 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss in a sack this past weekend. He's just getting better every single week. Um, like you said, Georgia reminds me a lot of like 2016 Alabama. They really do. Um, a little bit more of a game managing style on the offensive end, but defensively just stacked. You got a bunch of playmakers. And um, so they're a very, very strong team. But I think there is an attitude of like, they still have to beat Alabama before they are that team. And, you know, they might even have the better overall team. We don't know because we haven't seen them play each other. But one game, we have enough players for sure. And I think it'll just be a, a really interesting game. Obviously, like I said, I won't get to watch, but just to watch and see if Kirby can get the job done. I, I hope not. I hope he fails once again. One, I agree uh, 100%. And I think going back to the point that I like to make myself feel better about Alabama's chances versus Georgia team are that out that Georgia, you know, beat Clemson 10 to three and that game, you know, oh, game of the century, this, that, and the other two great defenses. Clemson's not a good team. Alabama's not the best it's ever been, but if Alabama played Clemson this year, they'd sure as heck put up more than 10 points on the board. And they scored an offensive touchdown, at least at some point. In yeah, game. I mean, come on. Come on. And I'll say this, too. I saw, uh, I think it was Hunter Johnson's tweet, that Bryce Young apparently dropped in the Heisman ratings this week. And he threw for 559 yards and five touchdowns. What is that? I'd assume it's just C.J. Stroud played as well as he did, and Bryce Young was the heavy favorite coming in. You know, I'm sure he's still the favorite. He can't play much better than he did, but at least it's kind of probably seen as a two-horse race at this point. I'd love to see Will Anderson make the trip to New York, at least be a finalist. He deserves it. Um, like yeah. I said, I think he's the best player in college football. Uh, but I really think it's going to come down to probably these next two weekends. And if C.J. Stroud has an outstanding game in Michigan, that will be the most watched game in college football this weekend, probably. Um, and then obviously the, the following weekend, the most watched game in Alabama or in the country will no doubt be this Alabama-Georgia game. And so if Bryce Young balls out, uh, for sure, I think if Alabama wins these next two, it's not even going to be up for debate. As we kind of transition to basketball, I want to ask you about the football to basketball player relationship. That's something that a lot of fans, I think, are wondering about. And obviously, in this podcast, we want to give the inside perspective. So tell us what it's like, uh, the relationship that you have as a member of the basketball team and your teammates have with guys on the football team. Well, one thing about the, the basketball team that I think separates itself from a lot of the teams within the athletic department here is – I feel like we just really do a good job of hanging out with each other. So that's kind of the majority of our community is each other. That said, outside of the team, we still obviously build relationships. A lot of those guys live in the same dorms, live next door to football players, to uh, players from all different sports across uh, the university. But uh, for me, I mean, there are definitely a few guys that through FCA, through different stuff, uh, different ministries, different organizations I've built relationships with and, um, it's really cool to just see them uh, excel and succeed on the field. Uh, obviously, I'm a lifelong Alabama football fan. There's always going to be a side of me that's a little bit of a uh, a weird fan. But at the end of the day, like, it is also cool to build friendships and relationships um, with some of these guys. And so uh, I think that's been something that's been really cool about just being 
uh, a student athlete year. Do y'all have meals together in that new, relatively new um, dining hall for athletes and stuff like that? Get to see those guys kind of on a daily basis? Well, one thing about football is they have a different dining hall than we do. So they, they're a little bougie over there. But, uh, yeah, we still have a great dining hall. And, and like, like I was saying earlier, we just all kind of hang out with each other. That's great. That's a really cool relationship that, um, you know, we can you can see and have with those guys. But obviously football, um, kind of the, the driving factor at the University of Alabama. And it should be, you know, with with a lot of success that they've had in basketball being on the rise is uh, reaching to the cream of the crop of the college basketball world. So excited to see the growth in basketball as it pertains to what we've seen in football over the past decade and a half. Britain, let's jump into the hardwood now. Crimson Tide, uh, you and your teammates, 4-0, two big wins last week over South Alabama in a relatively closer, a lot closer game. Not relatively. It was a lot closer uh, than what we were expecting. And then a big win Friday night over Oakland. Talk about these games briefly. Um, Jaden Shackelford eclipsed the 1,000-point mark Friday night. Just talk about some of the high points and keys and points of emphasis that were made going into these games and what came out of those games? Yeah, so we had that Twitter space after the South Alabama game, and um, I think I expressed some of my thoughts, and, and while some of them I still kind of held on to, I think there are certainly a lot of things that we could have done a lot better. Um, after watching the film, man, like South Alabama played a heck of a game, and hats off to them. Uh, just kind of the more I watched it, the more I was like, these guys played a fantastic defensive game. They made a lot of tough shots that um, – you know, and, and obviously there are a lot of mistakes that we made. We turned the ball over way too much. We made a lot of self or unforced errors just throughout the game, missed a lot of shots. Um, there are obviously things we could have done better. Um, I thought we could have rebounded better as well. And so over the uh, Wednesday and Thursday that went into both, you know, film review of the past game and preparation for the next one. And, and Oakland was a fantastic team. Um, we knew that coming in. They had beaten Oklahoma State on the road. They had beaten Toledo by 22 or something like that. And then they had barely lost to uh, West Virginia uh, on the road. So those were obviously a lot of quality games that they had already played. So we knew that we wouldn't be scared coming into Coleman. Uh, so we had to play well. And I think that was the best game we played all year. Just both sides of the floor. We rebounded the ball just incredibly well. They beat uh, West Virginia by like 18 on the boards when they went to Morgantown. So um, we knew we had to step up on the boards. I thought – you know, we let one of their guys have, I think, 33 or so points. But outside of that, we really just did a great job defending uh, their, their point guard, which is usually the head of the snake for that team. We kind of shut him down. So that was really good. Um, offensively speaking, I thought we were sharing the ball extremely well. We were moving it. The shots weren't necessarily falling at a super high clip, but um, you just love to see the way we were moving the ball, the way we were uh, selfless throughout the game. And you know, getting paint touches, doing the little things. They played a very funky zone. So that's that's how they played. 89% of their possessions came in zone throughout the season. So we knew that coming in. Um, but it's just – it's a little bit of a different game plan you have to, to um, employ when you're playing a team that plays zone. So, um, but like I said, most complete game we've played all year. Really proud of our guys. And it's setting us up, setting, uh, setting us up really well for this game, uh, this tournament coming up in Orlando. Yeah. We talked a lot about angry Chuck on the podcast last week. He was a big part of that defensive presence. I think it was 10 total blocks. The team had 
And I don't what's is it is it a block two blue collar points? I think it's just one. I'll have to double check okay. maybe one and a half. Okay. I don't get but, it done, I mean, so I don't really look at it too much for myself, you know. Hey, you're uh you're you're in our hearts though, Britain. We know we know that. <laughs> um and so Shaq was able to eclipse the one thousand point mark and he was able to win the hard hat. He had, I think, what, twenty Friday night? He played really well. Um, shot the ball. You know, the team shot the ball well. Absolutely. Like and like you said, the most complete game of the year. That's exactly what Coach Oates said um, after Friday night's game. Looking ahead to this week, before we get to this week in Iona, because there's a lot to cover there, just briefly, we talked about Jaden Shackelford. Uh, and like we talked about Charles Bediaco and just the person that he is last week, talk about Shaq, um, because he's a guy that put his name – in the portal to kind of test the waters, that phrase that everyone loves to use. Um, but tell us what he's like as a person, as a, as a guy in the locker room. You know, who is Jaden Shackelford when he's not wearing that jersey? Man, Shaq is awesome. I love Shaq. He, since he came in his freshman year, has never, um, he's never lacked confidence in his ability to play the game. I mean, I think I remember when he came in, just within a week or two, I was like, wow, we, we got a steal in this kid. This kid is going to be so good for us. Um, and Oates was all over him on the defensive end that first year and, and is pushing him to get better. And now I think what stands out to me when I watch him, and obviously he's still a fantastic scorer. He's still fantastic just with the basketball. But on the other end of the floor, he is a great defender now. He can step up and really guard. And so that's him on the basketball side of it. But, you know, like you're saying, in the locker room, he is just – a great guy to be around. I cannot speak uh, higher about just some of the experiences I've had with him, just, you know, chopping it up, having great conversations. He is a really down to earth, very cool guy. Um, I always enjoy just being around him and, and just getting to know him better. And uh, he comes from a great family. So I think that's just a lot of the source for the high character person that he is. Um, and I've just seen so many instances in which he you know, I'm not going to pretend that he's LeBron James, right? But being a, a high-end basketball player on this campus carries some celebrity. And um, there are so many instances in which he has gone out of his way to, you know, love people or serve people that couldn't really do anything for him, right? And I think that's the strongest instance of, like, showing what someone's character is, is how do you interact with people who can't do anything for you? And so Shaq's always been a guy that, uh, will go out of his way to sign that autograph, to take that picture, to um, send a video to someone who um, might be sick, you know, just something like that. And so um, great guy, really funny guy, great guy to be around. But um, like I said, I think some of the uh, some of the values that he's brought from his family have just really made him the person that he is. Yeah, and you two bond as two left-handed guys. You know, are, are you the only two left-handed guys in the program? Darius and uh that's right Dwayne Darius well. yeah okay so you've got that in common I mean we're you're you're four guys living in a in a right-handed man's world so that's that's <laughs> the way it is but uh you know you got that y'all both have that lefty stroke so you know how to shoot the rock from deep which is fantastic uh Britain so you, we talked a little bit hinted at it earlier about the tournament this weekend this upcoming week in Orlando that will stretch into the weekend it's the ESPN events invitational Thursday we take on Iona at 4 p.m uh John Rothstein had a tweet about interrupting dessert at the Thanksgiving uh Thanksgiving lunch Thanksgiving dinner whatever we want to call it 
Uh, that is going to be a fantastic game, a rematch of last year's game in the big dance. Rick Pitino, Nate Oates, a lot of storylines were devel- developed in that from last year, and obviously they have developed their relationship and played some golf together. Uh, this Iona team is good, and they were good last year, but this Alabama team is also good. So what are we looking at on Thursday afternoon at four versus Iona? So 100%, they were good last year. I'm not trying to take away from the team last year, but they're better this year. They, they brought back a lot of the key pieces to that team from last year that, you know, Alabama fans will remember. That was not an easy first-round matchup. Um, and they've added, I think, three or four Power 5 transfers that are really good players. So um, they're good. They, they beat Liberty. They, they're 5-0 and on the year. Um, this is going to be a game that we're going to have to be up for. We're going to have to play really good basketball to win. Uh, they've also been in Orlando. They've been in Florida for a week now. So they're going to be really well-adjusted to uh, this environment and um, they might have a leg up on us in that respect and then you couple that with the fact that Rick Pitino is the head coach and um, you know say what you want about what this guy does off the court that's not for me to, to say or talk about he is one of the best coaches in college basketball history he still is he didn't lose any of his coaching prowess or ability um, and so we know that he's going to have a great plan for us he's going to have his guys really well coached um, that said, I think if we play our best basketball, it's obviously a winnable game. So, uh, but these guys are no one to, you, know, you can't overlook a team like this. Um, we're going to have three really tough games, no matter what the outcome of any of those games are. Um, and so we need to go in with that mindset that even though this tournament will be in Disney world, it is a business trip. And, um, you know, I was jokingly laughing and, and asking, uh, some of our coaches like, what well, do we get to go see the parks at all? And they're like, no, it's a business trip. And, and, you know, while I was like half disappointed, I was also like, good. That's how it, you know, it should be. Um, it should be a business trip. So um, hopefully this can be a really great week in Orlando uh, this upcoming week. Obviously there's uh, a part of me that would love to be with my family, but um, you know, if we get some wins, there couldn't be a better way to spend the holiday weekend. So you got, you got time with your basketball family and that's about all you can ask for. As we kind of dive into this season, uh, really, we've already we've already gone head first, but excited to get into this heightened competition. Uh, Gonzaga's around the corner. Houston's around the corner. This tournament's going to be fantastic. Britton, what's it like like last year in the bubble? You look down, you know, in an empty, relatively empty gym, mostly empty, honestly. Um, and Rick Pitino's down there on the sidelines. You get to see him again and you shake hands after the game and you're, you know, high five and slapping hands with a college basketball coaching legend like Rick Pitino. What's that like for you? Because that's somebody that when you and I growing up, like that's a name we saw on sports center headlines because his teams were always so dominant. Um, talk about that. Yeah. I always loved picking Louisville in the tournament uh, growing up. And I, I grew up a Duke fan, which, you know, is, is one of my, I guess, regrettable parts of my past. But, um, you know, that said Louisville, was always a team you knew was going to be able to perform at a high level in the tournament. Uh, and obviously Patino's career extends far past that back to his time in Kentucky when he uh, was a coach. That's kind of where his coaching uh, legend began. Um, and, you know, he's just, he's awesome. I mean, awesome coach. Uh, you know, obviously our high school coach, Bucky, he uh, kind of models a lot of his coaching after Coach Patino. So there's a lot of similarities in the way 
they approach the game of basketball. And so uh, just have a ton of respect for him as a coach. Can't speak highly enough of that. Yeah, I want to give Bucky a shout-out as well for that big win over Oregon State this week. Um, texted him after the game, and he probably got two or 300 texts after a big win like that. That was, you know, the staple win of his career. And uh, he was Absolutely. quick to respond, so they were fired up. Um, Britton, this is our mailbag question this week. Take us behind the scenes of a road trip. You mentioned this is a business trip. And, you know, there are distractions like Disney World and there's exterior factor, external factors like Thanksgiving and things like that. Um, but as the team goes down this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is, take us through the details, what you enjoy about road trips and what you're looking forward to with this one with great competition. You look at the bracket, Dayton, Miami, North Texas, Kansas, Bama, Iona, Belmont and Drake. Um, take us behind the curtain of these Bama road trips. So this one will be different than most. Obviously, most road trips uh, are just, you know, we'll leave the day before, fly out to whatever school we're going to play, um, you know, spend the night in the hotel, eat team meals, watch film, and then the next morning do a walkthrough, do our shoot-around, um, eat a pregame meal and play. So that's kind of, I know, kind of sped through that. That's what a normal road trip looks like. And this one will be different in that we will be down there. We're leaving Tuesday. We'll be down there from Tuesday to you know, Sunday evening, Monday morning, one of the two. Um, and so that'll be a pretty long trip, obviously. And so there'll be a little bit more downtime in one sense, but at the same time, probably not because, you know, you play one game and you're immediately on to the next one. So you have about an hour to really enjoy or, you know, maybe regret if you lose, but enjoy a win. And then um, you're on to this next game. So you kind of, you barely even have time to watch film from the last game because you're already turned around scouting personnel, scouting plays, scouting all this stuff for the next team. And then you do a walkthroughs in the hotel. You know, a lot of times because you're trying to save guys' legs, you don't even go through a full shoot around. Um, you might go out there and just get a couple shots up because you have a limited warm-up time. Like warm-up times are a little different. So um, everything's a little different. Um, that said, this is going to be – I think my fourth type of, or if you include SEC tournaments, I guess seven or eight uh, type of tournament where we're here for an extended period of time. And so uh, I'm semi used to it, but at the same time, there are always going to be new variables that come in, whether it be just different playing times, different you know, tip off times or whatever else. Yeah. Who's your, your as, a, as a graduate senior now, do you get to pick your roommate? I mean, do they put you with a young guy? Do they put you with somebody you choose? What's uh, who do you know? How do you know who you're going to uh, bunk up with? Uh, you don't, you don't know. Uh, and you don't really have a, a necessarily a choice. Um, at least I don't, um, you know, maybe if JQ wanted someone who you, you could probably have whoever you wanted. Uh, but I do not have a choice. And so usually it's the same person throughout a season or, you know, you have one or two guys. So uh, by mid season, I'll have a good idea who my roommate is going to be probably for the remainder of the year, but we do not know. Yeah. Hey, are there on that note, like, are there any funny stories from like the bubble or past road trips, people getting locked out of like hotels, losing their keys, getting left behind on the bus. I mean, anything like that in your time? There are probably a few, probably a few I shouldn't necessarily mention, um, but you just, it, <laughs> One thing is you, like, pick up on people's habits when you kind of room with them. Uh, my freshman year, I roomed with Tevin Mack a good, a good bit, and uh, he slept with the TV on and with the volume on, and uh, 
he just had a tendency to kind of naturally stay up late and that was just him. He'd get asleep, he would, but he just was a night owl. So, um, you know, I, I'm like the opposite. Like I need my room to be pretty much pitch black. So I'd like put a pillow over my ear and just try to like block out all the noise and try to go to bed. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out, but, uh, he was a great roommate outside of that. I'm not you know, speaking negatively of Tevin, but it's just you kind of pick up on people's habits. And so that part of it is kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, hey, our full moon barbecue gift certificate winner this week uh, is Wheeler Eastman. Wheeler was wearing a Mean Street sticker at the game on Saturday, the Alabama-Arkansas game. He tagged us in Twitter and Instagram. Congratulations, Wheeler. You win a $10 gift card. Thanks to our sponsor, Full Moon Barbecue. Be sure to check out Full Moon next time you're in the Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, or greater Alabama area. I think they're all around the southeast now with a recent um, – opened a recent location in Jackson or in Madison, I believe. So really thankful for Full Moon helping uh, us partner with this podcast. Congratulations, Wheeler. Um, hey, we're going to be on the lookout for some more merchandise, too. We've got that coming soon, thanks to Bandwagon in Homewood. Shout out to David Knight there. We want to remind everybody to follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Britton, I'm liking these Twitter spaces. I'm hoping we can kind of continue these. Um, what's been your favorite part about that? Well, just kind of getting to interact more directly with the, with the fans and, um, you know, kind of get the immediate post-game reaction. I think uh, that's something where sometimes it'll be better than others. You know, I think after the South Alabama game, I was very focused on, like, the things we did poorly because they just didn't didn't feel right. And looking back, I was like, we really didn't play as poorly as I probably made it sound like we did. But, um, you know, you do get that immediate emotional reaction to the game. I think that's really cool. So uh, definitely I would recommend y'all – you know, making sure you're kind of keeping updated with William or the ministry's Twitter and, and hopping on whenever we do one of those. Yeah. Hopefully we can do those throughout your time in Orlando. Obviously, as we talked about on this episode, it's a business trip, but that's really going to do it here for us on week three of the Mean Streets podcast. It's been very successful. I've really enjoyed this. I hope you as the listener have enjoyed it as well. Um, you know, give us give us a follow on social media. Check us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And of course, we are brought to you by our friends at Full Moon Barbecue. We've got stickers. We've got merchandise coming soon. And Britain is here to give you the ultimate inside scoop of Alabama basketball. This is the only Inside Alabama Men's Basketball podcast, and we're so thankful for you, the listener. Britain, you've got the closing word. What are you going to leave us with for Week Three? I'll just say everybody who's traveling this week, have a great week of uh, traveling, visiting family. Have a great Thanksgiving. Roll Tide and God bless.